the trade deadline. We look at all the moves, the winners and the losers, and plenty more on the punt return. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It is week nine of the NFL season. And we are, again, a man down because, as you might have seen across the socials, Nick Splitter has gone to Philadelphia. He has made his way there to Philly, jumped on a plane, and he's got himself over to see the Phillies in the World Series. Unfortunately for him and and all Phillies fans, not the result today, unfortunately. Uh, We're recording on a Thursday night here in Melbourne, and uh, it was pretty poor poor effort by the Phillies. They actually didn't even get a hit uh, in today's game, which was game four, and the Houston Astros tied it up uh, at two all in the series, one more game in Philly. So hopefully Nick can get to that one as well. Game five, an absolute crucial one. But uh, thanks for again jumping on our great friend of the show and futures guru, guru James Rosewarn, mate. How are you? Really good. Really good. It's good to be here, Ryan. And what can we say about Nick? They've gone from five home runs to being no hit um, with the great man in attendance. So, <laughs> but it has been, yeah, it's been the talk of socials, seeing Nick over there. It's been amazing. Cheerio yeah. to you, Nick. Yeah, what a li- Once in a lifetime opportunity. Oh, why not? Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah. it would be remiss of us if we didn't mention that the way he funded the trip was from his Red Hot Tips uh, last week in the show. So if you followed <laughs> followed Nick and I in, you might have um, got yourself a, a nice collect as well. But, yeah, Nick um, spoiling himself with the winnings and, and getting over to Philly, like we said, just uh, – Unfortunately, he wasn't there for game three, but saw the bloodbath that was game four and a, and a no-hitter of all things. So uh, let's hope they can bounce back in game five. Uh, if they do lose, we know we know that he's the reason and that's going to be pretty tough to take. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't joke about that. That's, um, but yeah, hopefully the great man, he's going to tune in. He's going to quickly record something. So we'll, we'll be adding it to the show um during the podcast once you guys listen so hopefully um you will hear from nick but mate let's get straight into it again thank you for jumping in and why not start there the philly eagles undefeated uh unfortunately they're playing in houston and not in philadelphia um tomorrow night or tomorrow morning our time uh of course uh, thursday night football if they were in philly i'm sure nick would have gone and seen his beloved eagles continue the the winning streak yeah, amazing season so far, Philly. Obviously aided by an incredibly easy draw. That's not to take anything away from what they're doing on both sides of the ball. Um, the Robert Quinn addition is going to help as well with the pass rush. Um, and look, they have the absolute free run to number one seed and we'll see what happens beyond that. But yeah, everything's everything's looking good in Philly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to see that kind of juggernaut coming to a, a stop this week. Um, as they, as we said, they're in Houston to kick off week nine and um, they go in as huge favorites in that one. But yeah, it looks like Philly will keep that undefeated streak to start the season. Now we'll quickly touch on uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, after an unbelievable game last week. He, he had the treble where he uh, threw a touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass and rushed for one. The first player in the NFL since 2005 with Danny Tomlinson from the Chargers, an absolute superstar and Hall of Famer. So, yeah, he's in rarefied air there, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, phenomenal game-changing addition to San Francisco. And, you know, speaking of Philly before, it's, it's probably Philly that is the most concerned with that addition in the whole league because mm. 
they probably had this clear path, but yeah, that's a threat. It's an absolute threat now with, with CMC in town. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He was he's incredible last week and just, you know, obviously quiet in his first outing, just getting to know the offense, Kyle Shanahan, not using him too much, but yeah, didn't he dial up some plays for him uh, this week against the LA Rams of all teams as well, who were essentially their bunnies, aren't they? They've just completely owned that rivalry in recent times. Yeah, I guess McVay at least can, you know, rest on the fact that they, you know, they won that that championship and, and a Super Bowl as well, um, conference championship and the Super Bowl. But on San Francisco as well, like we wait till we see Debo and CMC together mm. in that backfield as well. Um, I guess the only thing that could stop them is, you know, Jimmy throwing to the other team. So <laughs> apart well, from that, that though, thing, isn't it? Uh, with no Debo on the on the on the field last week, it was all. The Christian McCaffrey show, and and he definitely shown uh, shown brightly and showed it was a, you know, only early days, but it looked to be a looks to be a really game changing um, move for the Niners who jump into cal- NFC calculations, of course, with that uh, acquisition. Now, teams, would they be your would they be your number two outside of Philly in the conference? Uh, I think so. I think they. I still can trust. I still trust the Niners certainly a lot more than say the Vikings, who are probably the other the other kind of. Tw- um, other challenge really at the moment, you know, they're, they're six and one, they're going well. Uh, they've won five in a row. They, again, they just faded in and out of games where they did again last week and, and somehow kind of wrestled it back and, and won again another close one. But yeah, certainly just uh, trust the Niners a little bit more with that defense. And of course, now that offense with so many weapons, it's just, um, yeah, how much I suppose Jimmy G can be, can limit those turnovers and, and make the right plays. And, and the Niners will be, um, you know, deep threats again in the, in the playoffs. How do, how, do, how do you see the NFC at the moment as we, we quickly touch on that, James? Yeah, I guess it all sort of depends who we get that number two seed. So Minnesota probably in the box seat for that. Um, I'm not enamoured with anything happening in the South, particularly obviously Tampa. So then it, you wonder whether Dallas can make some noise from, you know, the five seed, which would probably mean having to knock out Philly in the second week. Um, I think pound for pound Dallas are better than the Minnesota, but it's not easy advancing as a non-divisional winner. So, Yeah, it's a great point. But, I mean, we've seen it in past past years. We have. Uh, we really have. Yeah, it certainly um, has changed a lot in that regard. But, you know, it's just who can kind of get that momentum going in January. Uh, let's, let's touch on a couple of those teams that you did mention some NFC powerhouses, or so they were supposed to be, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers. They continue to spiral and, and continue to lose games. And at least one of those teams will win this week because the Bucks and the Rams play each other. But, good God, it's uh, it's getting pretty dire straits for all of those. Uh, probably the Bucks are the one to come out of that the best just because of the division that they're in. But they don't look to be a playoff contender at the moment. Yeah, and I guess with Green Bay and Rams particularly, I know we've loved what the Rams have done from a front office perspective in previous years to set them up for that Super Bowl run and keep them in in, in the window. It's probably coming back to bite them a bit now. They've got a really weak underbelly, not much depth in that squad. There's only so much they can do on offense. Um, Cooper, you know, Cooper Cup just looks exhausted and, you know, the ankle sort of blew up last week and, and how much more do they want to extract out of Donald and Ramsey, you know, on defense. As for Green Bay, this is one of the stories of the year in terms of 
the lack of weapons and the way that entire franchises sort of cowered to Aaron Rodgers, but not cowered at the same time mm. by um, not bringing him in sort of weapons. It's so weird. You know, I think Green Bay like to sort of parade as this incredibly organic, forward-thinking franchise, yet they sort of really landed on their face this time round. Like, it looked troublesome going in with that receiving call. And now it's just like, who would have thought Aaron Jones is absolutely their best offensive weapon? Might as well just hand it over to him. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it look, I I think they're a really big shot to lose again this week. Um, they travelled to to Detroit to take on the Lions in a, in a really important divisional game there. And yeah, I, don't, I just can't see them putting up enough points to stick with the Lions kind of potent offense. I know how bad the Lions defense has been, and it's been probably one of the worst of all time, the way they're allowing scores. But goodness me, that, that Packers offense just looks so pedestrian, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it looks awful. Um, there was a really great Romeo Dobbs touchdown that was that looked good. I know Rogers still trying to air out. The defense is talented, but just not getting any mm. kind of production. And just because we were touching on it before Tampa as well, like I think Tampa was seeing similar kind of problems with you know an Uber personality at quarterback, and it, that's looking really really bad as well. And I guess Tampa in this sort of situation where know the you know the opposition around them in that division isn't that fantastic there are teams that could squeak up particularly new orleans like i, I think six new orleans are six bucks to win that division and you might only need eight wins to actually pinch that and at least they have a phenomenal offense in new orleans and a defense that is slowly coming back with um with health like Lattimore will be back soon jordan's production will increase I think, yeah, New Orleans can still make some of those tough game this week against Baltimore, notwithstanding. Mm. But, yeah, I still think that six bucks is definitely one of the better future prices at the moment. Really, really valid point. And, and especially if you think the Saints can can win on Monday night football against the Ravens at home, yeah. mind you, uh, that price will obviously plummet if they can notch oh, yeah. another win. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind that bet, especially the way their defense, like you said, played last week. Uh, shutting out the Raiders. So, yeah, maybe maybe things have kind of turned a corner. Maybe in New Orleans, again, it's not like it's uh, yeah going to be a 12-win kind of comp- uh, division. It's certainly going to be eight or nine wins might uh, might get you there. So let's yeah, talk trade I mean, deadline, mate. Yeah. Um, biggest moves came on off uh, on defense, I should say, sorry. And the big one, probably Miami going all in and, and kind of uh, really getting after a, a, a class pass rusher in, in Bradley Chubb. This is an amazing trade deadline. I think we had 10 transactions take place, which doubled the previous record of five. Um, and they were big moves as well. I think the Roquan Smith move to Baltimore is a, is a complete game changer. I'm really like, I've sort of been a little bit lukewarm on Baltimore. I'm, I know you're a Buffalo man and what's not to love about Buffalo, but my God, they're, they're, they're coming Baltimore. They're getting everybody healthy um, I know they're not going to get that number one seed and we, we were a bit slavish to that, right? Like, okay, you're going to have to do it on the road. As you said, re, you know, really important point. Everybody did it on the road last year. If you look at Baltimore's two previous Super Bowl wins, we're also done on the road. Mm. Um, you know, they knocked off Peyton Manning in Denver when they last pulled it off as well and pulled off a massive upset 10 years prior to that in Tennessee. So this, that's the kind of franchise that Baltimore are. Tough to know, you know, nose to the ground, well-coached. 
And the talent that is there on defense and coming back, I know it underperformed early, but yeah, they're building and add Roke one while. Yeah, exactly. You stole my stole my thunder there. He was going to be the next point I made. But yeah, of course, Rogon Smith, probably the the move of the of the deadline, like you said, and uh kind of blindsided him by the sounds of it as well. She didn't didn't expect uh Chicago to let him go, and especially for what they got in return in terms of essentially almost trading Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool in the end. Like it was it was it was something like that where they might have got a late kick. Uh, as well in return, but they had to give up a second pick to get, a second round pick to get Chase Claypool in, and you're losing one of the best defensive players in the league at the moment. Goodness, that does make Baltimore look a lot more scary, doesn't it? It does, and we'll, um, we'll touch a little bit more on Baltimore when we get to New Orleans. But just touching on Chicago as well because it's another futures play that I really like. So this is a, you know weird in terms of they traded out both Quinn and Roquan in the space of a week. That defense is now completely threadbare, which was their previous strength. I like bringing in Claypool because I think we're going to see with Chicago in the second half of the season, they're going to put it all on the line for fields, okay? They're not going to leave any question marks. We want to see exactly what's in this repertoire when we try and work out an extension, whether it's at the end of the season or in another 12 months. So my play is, though, is Justin Fields' most season interceptions at $17. So he's only two interceptions off the lead at the moment. He has an ex- well, he's a top four or five interception rate as it is. And that's playing kind of conservatively. Wait till this second half. He's going to be airing it out a lot more uh, with, you know, Claypool coming in, Mapletron, like, you know, they call him. Um, it's going to be really interesting. And I, I like that play at 17, especially as that sort of the top of that market. Matt Ryan obviously gone. Stafford, that offense is changing. It's pretty much going to be Kenny Pickett and Fields fighting for that honor, dubious honor, if you like. But yeah, we, we see interceptions differently as well. That like if Fields was to throw a whole heap of interceptions in the second half of the season and touchdowns, I think Chicago will take that. But they want to see what this arm will do. So yeah, I like that 17. Well, you've talked me into it, James. I really like the play, mate. That's yeah, and having a look at again the list that is led by Matt Ryan, who won't play again this season. We know Matthew Stafford and Kenny Pickett just a couple ahead of Jared, uh, Justin Fields. But yeah, completely agree to that point that Chicago will certainly want to see what he's got under the hood, essentially with um, with his arm. And we know he's he's an unbelievable with his legs. But yeah, I'm sure they'll want to want to air the ball out a bit more, Chicago, and try and get their young receivers uh, involved in the game. Any other key moves that you thought were were really important on deadline day? Yeah, we sort of spoke about it previously, you and I, in terms of Bradley Chubb going to Miami. Uh, that's hard to sort of ignore. And it does make, it does significantly improve Miami. Um, they'd be looking absolutely at that five seed, which mm. could mean a first round playoff, a wild card against Tennessee, which is very winnable. And they could be looking at getting into the final four in that conference. Yeah. Um, and Denver recoup uh, a first round draft pick for him, but Denver are thoroughly in my bad books. And I think the collective NFL's bad books as well. The George Payton thing in the preseason, you know, lauded around as this unbelievable GM. Yes. I mean, I like bringing Russell in, but this guy was in, this guy was the preseason MVP, (laughs) the Broncos GM. And I just, yeah, I I haven't really got these moves. This roster is really weird and not maximizing anything on that roster. If anything, Bradley Chubb was their best performing player and he's gone. So 
The Cortland Sutton thing is incredibly weird. He's getting one or two targets per week. Um, he, he's got you know top ten potential as a as a wide, as a wideout in this league. This is being underutilized, and and then all contrasted with Seattle's progression, it's this is an absolute dog's breakfast, like unbelievably so. This is a huge story, obviously. Yeah, uh, exactly, and 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 it's 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 certainly heightened by the way Seattle have performed. I think with the with the spare parts team as as such, really that um, you know that that Denver gave up, and of course. Have a, have a treasure chest of, of picks, which could still end up being really high in this year's draft if, if Denver are to bottom out and they kind of saved themselves a little bit with a with a win last week late in the game. But yeah, certainly, um, yeah, a, a week to kind of recoup for Denver and we'll see how they, they come off the bye in the second half of the season. But let's have a quick fantasy update. I know Nick's not here, my co-manager, of course, but we'll just give you a quick rundown. We, we had to, a couple of... The big names on buy, we had Kelsey, Eckler, and Herbert, of course, on the buy last week. But our <clears throat> our reserves stepped up and, and almost pulled off a really unlikely victory. We only lost by two points, and that was because Nick Chubb had a huge day uh, for our opponent with, um, I think, 25 points or something. So especially after we got that second touchdown, that killed us, and we ended up going down by two points and snapped the five-game win streak, but still sitting pretty at five and three. Now we've got our big guns back as we target the the second half of the season and as I mentioned off the top Nick Splitter the great man is in Philadelphia due to some unbelievable uh, tipping last week we had a, a bunch of over and unders we of course had some players like Baltimore getting up Miami and Buffalo all kind of covering the lines that we really liked and yeah it was only um, a couple of my stupid bets that, that were in the red last week but Nick had a day out and uh, he multied them all up and, and got a few thousand dollars from winnings and, and that kind of paid for his trip over to Philly, which is a great story. But uh, we'll head into the week eight, uh, week nine action movies this week, of course, uh, jumping into the second half of the season, if you can believe that. On the bye this week, we have six teams. We've got the Denver Broncos, the Niners, the Dallas Cowboys, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the New York Giants. And we kick things off with Thursday night football, Philly at Houston, as I mentioned, a huge favourite, the Philly Eagles. They're going as 13.5-point favourites at this stage with the total at 45.5, James. Yeah, it would be a no-play for me. Obviously, there's a massive difference between the best team in the NFL versus the worst team in the NFL. Just a one quick uh, Davis Mills stat, because it's interesting in terms of that quarterback class. I think he's played 20 games so far, and in 16 of those games, he's kept it to one or zero interceptions. So, which is pretty impressive. And I think he's, I think he's never, I think he's had one three pick performance. So perhaps I'm cursing him tomorrow's the day where he goes out and throws four or five or something like that. But he's been a, a decent story for a fifth round draft pick in a franchise that has gone nowhere in recent times. Um, he's kept his end, end, end of the bargain. Yeah, I, I like Davis Mills. I, I think he's he's got something to offer in, in this league for sure. And like you said, he, he's certainly been not in a great situation and, and, he, and he's performed, you know, again, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he certainly hasn't um, disgraced himself and he, he's, he can hold his head up high probably from that organisation. And they'll continue to fight and they, 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 you know, stay in games. They don't get blown out too often, but I think tomorrow is the day that um, potentially Philly unload and, and have a big day. And again, it might be a day where Davis Mills does throw plenty of picks because we know how good that uh, secondary is for Philly, as well as, of course, that pass rush, which will have 
Robert Quinn in that side now as well. And I, I see it being a pretty similar score score line to last week's um, game in Philly. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Philly and Pittsburgh. And, you know, a, a kind of a 20-point result. Uh, you know, a 30, 30 to 10 kind of score line or something along those lines. So can easily see Philly covering. And I know it's a big line and you don't often take those big lines, but I think the class golf is, is just too big in this one. And I think Philly will run away with it. A comfortable victory, so I'm happy to play in that minus 13 and a half while it stays under two touchdowns or two converted touchdowns. I'll I'll, I'll be having something for them there at the at the big start or the big the, the big start against them. Yeah, so uh, we'll move on to the Monday morning slate, and this week you don't have to get up as early. You get an extra hour of sleep. In the times have changed in the US, so Monday at 5 a.m., which is an absolute blessing. Uh, is the LA Chargers at the Atlanta Falcons. The only issue is that you have to watch more at work rather than getting work done, but uh, it's a good result nonetheless and to get that extra hour of sleep in. But uh, the Chargers go in as minus three-point favourites in this one. A very interesting game, a total of 49 and a half, mate. What are your thoughts? This is sort of season on the line for the Chargers. If, mm. if they don't go into Atlanta and get the chocolates, I can't see them making the playoffs. And they shouldn't have any excuses, um, especially because of the state of Atlanta's defense at the moment. They're getting up a thousand yards over these last two games um, against Cincinnati and Carolina. They absolutely had no right to win that Carolina game last week. Um, and look, this is the Chargers now. Hopefully, them off the bye week has they've got everybody together and they got to iron out the stupidity. Maybe. It has been wonders for Herbert's ribs as well, but we'll see. I, my, my slight lean would be the Chargers, but I have no faith in in that franchise at the moment, especially with the coaching setup. Yeah, 100%, mate. And it's hard to argue with those points. And, yeah, that Atlanta uh, victory was an absolute killer, and I was kind of venting to Nick on uh, Monday morning last week. Eddie Pinheiro is on my never-again list, and I'll, I'll never forgive him after that because that could be very costly in my future's play of, Atlanta under four, and today now um, left me with absolutely zero margin for error, and they need to kind of lose every game here from here for me to get a uh, a collect. But uh, it was pretty rough, and the teams actually play each other next week again on Thursday night football. So you think Atlanta again will be favoured in that one? But yeah, absolutely disgusting way to finish that game. And um, look, it was pretty lucky that the DJ Moore. Um, uh, how yeah, very yeah. came off, but yeah, there's absolutely no way that Atlanta really should have won that game in the end. And like you said, that defense has been crippled at the moment. And yeah, it's a perfect opportunity for the Chargers to go in and put up plenty of points and and show their show their offensive wares. I know they're missing a couple of stars in terms of King Allen and and Mike Williams, uh, but they've got enough to cover up um, the Chargers. Justin Herbert's obviously. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's got a few passing options. We expect Josh Palmer to get a lot of uh, um, looks this week. Austin Eckler has been a huge part of their pass-catching um, offense as well. So, like you said, the Chargers should cover that line. It's a generous line. But, again, I, it's a no-play for me as well, mate. Zero faith in, in either of those franchise, franchises at the moment. If anything, I'd probably trust Atlanta more. Their coaching and, and everything has been really strong this year compared to to LA, which has, again, just been cowboy-led by um, Brandon Staley. Just keep in mind that AJ Terrell is out once again for Atlanta, and he is yeah. easily their most talented player on defense. Um, and it's and it's costing them at the moment, as I said. They're getting ripped to pieces. 
yeah. back there. Yeah, it's a perfect opportunity for the Chargers to put up some mm. big numbers in the in the dome uh, in Atlanta this week. Now, interesting one, this one, Miami and Chicago at Soldier Field. Miami going as minus five point favorites, which could be a bit of a good start there for Chicago, and the total is forty five and a half, mate. How are you seeing this one? Yeah, I, I'd probably lean towards taking the the points for Chicago at home there. I, I you know, they they might be one of the better coached teams this season. They seem quite airtight, even, you know, getting blown out early against Dallas, kind of worked their way into the game, obviously beat the Patriots the week before. Um, and Miami in some spots, we're, we're still getting to know Miami. <laughs> the new quarterback by the week, systems changing. Obviously, these two speedsters in, in Hill and Waddle have come in. Like, this, we still feel that we're learning new coach, now Bradley Chubb. Everything's new, 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 new. Um so, yeah, it could be a good spot for Chicago. Also, equally, not the complete end of the world for Miami if they were to fall. As you said, I, I probably lean to the Bears at this stage as well with the point start, but don't have any confidence in Chicago. I know they looked like world beaters a couple of weeks ago in, in New England, but they kind of fell back to their old habits last week, although they, they did kind of fight their way back into that one. But, uh, yeah, don't think I'll be playing in this one again. Be interesting to see how how Bradley Chubb fits into that Miami defense and if he can have an impact straight away. And of course, Jeff Wilson, uh, another San Francisco 49er running back in uh, Mike McDaniel's team. So, you know, he's going to compliment Raheem Mostert. And, you know, we know how much Mike McDaniel relies on that kind of Kyle Shanahan offense in Miami. So it'd be interesting to see how that working pair there. Next game up is the Carolina Panthers uh, at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals go in as minus seven favorites. Total 42 and a half, and the Bengals looking to bounce back after that capitulation against the Browns on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and look, I think they will as well. Um, that was that was one bad, really bad performance immediately off the back of losing Chase. Um, I still see them as a wild card contender. Do you in, in the AFC? You still see a path to the playoffs for Cincinnati? Uh, I think they're a playoff team, definitely. And and look, mm. I Nick and I both kind of had him as our AFC North um, champions. I don't think that looks likely at this stage now with Chase missing and, of course, already being one game behind the Ravens and already losing to the Ravens. So I know they've got to play Baltimore again later in the season at home, but, yeah, it looks maybe a long road back and they, they couldn't have afforded to to slip up against the Browns last week where they where they really should have gone in and, and, and won. I know it was uh, on the road, but I think they'll bounce back and, and bounce back in a big way this week who up against a team that, you know, have performed admirably the last two weeks after kind of blowing their team up. They obviously knocked off the Bucs. They, yeah, very unlucky not to have won uh, against the Falcons, which which incredibly, incredibly and explicitly put them in first place in the NFC South somehow. But uh, they missed up out on that opportunity and, and, and now sit at two and six. And I still think it's going to be quite a long season for the Panthers and the Bengals. At home, they should feast on that uh, defense, which has still got Brian Burns. And are you surprised by the the Panthers not willing to part with uh, Brian Burns, especially the reports that uh, the Rams offered two first-round picks as well? When you have Brian Burns, Ryan, you hold on tight and you don't let anybody near him. He's an absolute destructive force. Um, and Probably Nick split in person, actually. Yeah, Nick split in those... <laughs> How strongly I feel about Brian Burns. Yeah, he's a love child, definitely. That's that's right. But I was also gonna um I was also gonna say in terms of Cincinnati, the susceptibility, well, in terms of where they've been having a bit of an under 
soft underbelly is being run against. And we saw mm. Chubb and we saw Kareem Hunt exploit that last week. The defense overall has actually been pretty good. The Lou Morello is probably the strength of the team, if not the sort of pseudo head coach there, rather than Zach Taylor. Um, but I don't think Carolina have the weapons to actually put up. I know they scored a lot last week. This was a different team in Atlanta. Basically doesn't have a defense at the moment. Um, so I, I don't think they can challenge Cincinnati. So uh, that's probably the first game so far where I'd be a confident, confident lean that Seattle, that Cincinnati rather can get those points and clear and, you know, cover that line. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think I'll be taking the points for the Bengals, especially if it, if it certainly comes under seven, I'm still happy to play up to seven there and, and think they'll get the job done and, and win well and, and get back on track there and, and improve back to above 500 for the Bengals. We move on to the next game up for grabs, and it's one we mentioned off the top. Green Bay at the Detroit Lions, a huge matchup this one in the NFC North. Not so much for playoff implications. I know the Packers will still harbour ambitions of getting to the playoffs, but it's a long way back for the way they're playing at the moment. They do go in as favourites in this one. Three and a half points, total 49 and a half points. And as I said off the top, I just... I'm, I'm happy to play Detroit, especially giving up that start over a field goal. Uh, I know they haven't won for a while and they gave up another big lead last week against the Dolphins and we know how suspect that defense has been. But goodness me, that was against a, a potent offense in Miami who's got two of the best receivers in the game at the moment. The Packers have certainly none of that at the moment and then they've got a quarterback who looks disinterested and 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 certainly not the player that we've come to know in the two-time reigning MVP, if you can believe that. And yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean... They have every right to go in and, and be favourites, the Packers, I suppose, but with runs on the board, et cetera. But I, I just think that's a really nice option here to play Detroit. How do you, how do you see this one? Yeah, I mean, last time I was on this pod, I I, I sort of um, really rallied for Detroit, yeah. put, you know, and the lesson in that is to, you know, <laughs> bad franchises often bite you in the in the legs and... Mm. Um, or in other parts of your body if you're not careful. But I think with the, with Green Bay here, this is probably one where we're slightly different. Against that 32nd ranked defense, I don't know this is if there's ever a chance that Rodgers is going to connect with those receivers and yeah. get ball moving downfield. It's going to be this game. Um, Swift will miss a game for Detroit as well on offense. We're starting to see Goff disintegrate as well and produce nothing. Even the offensive line is looking a bit shaky, which looked like such a strength early in the year. It's yeah, would be a slight lean for Green Bay, but both of these teams I don't like. Both of them won't be playing playoffs, I don't think either. Yeah, it's a it's a fair point, and, and look, I, I probably echo that sentiment in terms of them not playing um, not playing playoffs. But yeah, just think with that start that they were a good good value but um yeah maybe you've talked me out of yeah. it especially now deandre swift's out again which i i wasn't aware of until you've just pointed that out so um obviously they've got a capable running back you're waiting in the wings in, in jamal williams here they don't have that safety blanket of, of tj hawkinson for jared goff anymore either they they've, they've traded that tight end um yeah Rob smith will assume the role as number one tight end which doesn't kind of fill you with a lot of confidence but yeah I don't know. Maybe it's the day that the Packers' defense does show up as well. Again, as you mentioned off the top, they've got enough talent there, but they just haven't been performing. 
And I just, I just personally can't have any faith with a defense like that. Like, I mean, I, I get you, I get your logic as well that Detroit could cover that. I mean, Green Bay aren't exactly imposing, and it's at home. But just anything can happen when you've got a defense that that shoddy. Looks like we might be slightly opposed in that one, but uh, we move on to the next game. This one's going to be another tight one: Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots. The Patriots, though, go in as minus five and a half point favorites. Total forty and a half in this one, man. This, for me, is the hardest line of the week mm-hmm. to make sense of. Uh, I'm not loving either team. I guess the lean would be just for the Belichick factor, um, which lost a little bit of currency in terms of how they went against Chicago two weeks prior. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's a bit of a coaching mismatch here. Um, still don't know what's happening at quarterback. Um, <laughs> with New England, this is a real soap opera. It's such a strange team that yeah we we fall back on the coaching and we know it can it, the, the planning and everything like that is always so considered and that would be my lean there and the, and the Colts don't exactly scare me. Yeah, I probably have to lean the Patriots as well if anything, but it's certainly not a game I'm getting excited about or or mm. be, be be betting in. Absolutely not. And you know we've got a new offensive coordinator coming into Indy with Marcus Brady. Uh, being shown the door this week after you know a pretty lackluster performance against Washington, Sam Allinger had his first career start and, and was serviceable, wasn't he? I mean, he had no interceptions. He completed you know almost three quarters of his passes, and uh, while he didn't really you know wasn't really throwing the ball downfield and and kind of giving that you know fear into the defenders' eyes, but he he was he was he was good. He didn't lose any turnovers, which is the important part, which what which Indy had been struggling with. And you know, it gave him a chance to win, except for a really poor uh red zone attempt right late in that game where they were held to a field goal, which ultimately cost them the game. And again, you know, that defense uh, and Taylor Heineke, there's just something about him, isn't there? And late in games he can kind of do some some crazy things and you know we know he's certainly not the most talented guy in the nfl but he he certainly has one of the biggest hearts doesn't he and he, he plays with all that and uh he got him the win last week but yeah indy i think it's a it's a reset year for them and they need to go back to the drawing board um past this but yeah bill belichick should be um continuing his uh rise up the coaching wins and and should be getting a victory here and, and keeps new england in the playoff hunt surprisingly mm. you know that you know the AFC East is probably the the premier division in the in the league at the moment, uh, along with probably the NFC East at the moment. Who would have thought at the start of the season would be saying that? But uh, yeah, it's it's the Patriots probably coming away with a victory in this one. But again, um, no confidence from either of us to have a play in that one. Uh, Buffalo, we talk as we talk uh, about the AFC East is a good segue to this one and all AFC East clash, of course. In the Meadowlands, the Buffalo Bills travel to play uh, New New York Jets in New Jersey. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are minus 12.5 point favourites. The total is 47. And can you see the Jets troubling the Bills whatsoever this week, James? Not from the win perspective, but from a cover perspective, yes. 12.5 points at home. Obviously, Buffalo are absolutely incredible. But this is a kind of anti-Detroit play in terms of I still have faith in that Jets defence. Yeah. Um, and it's travelled as well. We saw what they did at Lambeau Field recently. Um, obviously, Buffalo probably got the most pronounced home ground event. Well, it, I, this is in, in, in New York, obviously. Um, 
So, yeah, look, I think they can cover it a lot. It's just that where are my points going to come from? Um, is it going to be Zach Wilson? Do I get Flacco in there instead? Obviously, the Brees Hall loss is, is humongous and probably not sort of something that, that they, they have a plan B for. Garrett Wilson's fairly productive out there, but I'd prefer Flacco throwing to him, as I said. Um, so, and then the other thing which makes me slightly lean towards the Jets is, and if, if like we saw Buffalo the other the other night, they're really not showing much mm. outside. Like they're they're keeping the cards very close to the chest. They just ran handoff after handoff after handoff. They did not open the playbook up against Green Bay. Got comfortable with the lead, and understandably so. So I don't think there's going to be a vested interest from their perspective to 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 dial up another massive win. Um, which again might leave that back door open for the Jets to cover. You know, we saw it last week where the Buffalo Bills absolutely dominated Green Bay, but uh, you know, only ended up winning by ten where it could have been twenty yeah. plus. So you know, it's it's got that written on it where the Jets can you know hang, hang around for long enough and potentially get that cover. But uh, no exactly. play for me. But Buffalo should continue on their merry way, and and the Jets could um, yeah quickly fall back to um, consecutive losses. A couple more games in the early window, one being the Minnesota Vikings. The streaking Minnesota Vikings have won five in a row. They go up against the Washington Commanders in the nation's capital. The Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favourites in this one, and the total is 43-and-a-half. Yeah. <laughs> this line's another really tricky one. It feels like a sucker bet both ways. I don't know how Washington <clears throat> cover. I don't know if Vikings have the sort of offensive... I'd rather, yeah, this anything anything's possible here. Probably lean towards Minnesota just from the Jefferson factor. Um, we'll see how they link Hawkinson back in as well. And yeah, this is the Vikings, but they six and one now. This is one of the least sexy six one and teams I've ever seen in my life. Um, and what they're seven dollars as well to win the NFC Championship, which feels really, really unders as well, like not at all juicy. So, and look, in the only time we saw them against a proper team, Philly blew them to pieces. So, yeah, it's a really good point. And, and look, there's, there's no way we get excited about a, a line um, over three for Minnesota. They play in so many tight games, and and look, like I mentioned, Taylor Heineke and Washington have been pretty gritty since they've uh, he's taken over the starting role, and Carson Wentz has been on the sideline and. That defense is starting to get a bit better, and as we know, they you know have been in the past. So, yeah, certainly couldn't entertain Minnesota at the three and a half. So, if anything, I'd probably lean towards the home team as a cover in this one. But uh, yeah, it's a no play for me. No way I could go in confident on on either of those teams at this stage, despite like you said, Minnesota going in a six and one and and being one of the the better teams in the NFC. But again, just not enough confidence in in that Vikings outfit as yet. And the final game of the early slate uh, on Monday morning, of course, is the Las Vegas Raiders, who are, of course, coming off that shutout loss last week up against the Jacksonville Jags, who are returning from their home away from home in London. And the Raiders actually start as favourites in this one at minus one and a half. The total is 48. How do you see this one, mate? It's funny, just off the back of Minnesota, DVOA in terms of throwing offence and defence together, Jacksonville are a better DVOA team than Minnesota. And what Jacksonville are 2-5 on the season. So I just think it's like the, the underlying numbers are there. 
for Jacksonville and they're not there for Minnesota. I'm just, you know, just throwing that out there. As as far as this game is concerned, my slight lean would be towards Jacksonville. Um, but it wouldn't be with much confidence. And in the same way we we're talking about fields at Chicago and them trying to marry everything up and get a lot out of him. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm starting to worry just a little bit with what I'm getting out of Lawrence. I want to be seeing a lot more that turn the franchise up upside down again by getting Doug Peterson in there. Spent a heap of money at wide receiver as well. And I, I just it's it's a whole lot of you know for, for Jacksonville. How do, you, how do you see that trade uh, happening there with um, next year? Obviously, he's not going to play this year, but Calvin Ridley coming into that Jacksonville offense as well. Really strange trade, mm-hmm. eh? Like, blue chip Atlanta high pick and productive seemingly going for nothing or very, very little to Jacksonville. So, yeah, I kind of liked it from Jacksonville's perspective, but I'm wondering if Atlanta know a little bit more than we do. Um, regarding his attitude and everything like that. So, yeah. yeah, it's a valid point. We don't know kind of how that's going to be sitting or playing out next year. So, yeah, watch mm. that space. But, yeah, an interesting addition for the Jags who, yeah, it just seems like Trevor Lawrence just needs to get his confidence up. And, you know, again, he's he's been really struggling. And uh, his numbers certainly aren't, aren't great. I saw a, a comparison with him and, and Gardner Minshew recently. And, and Minshew leaves him for dead a little bit with, with his throwing. So, yeah, let's let's hope that he Travis Trevor Lawrence can can get it together in, in the NFL because we know how how skillful and talented the guy is. Uh, but you know, all that he's still very inspiring to to listen to or watch, isn't he? So, yeah, for me anyway, from my point of view, uh, let's move on to uh, the early the eight o'clock window. It's going to be in the West Coast here of the NFL. We're going to go see Seattle. In an all NFC West battle against the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals go in as favourites, uh, minus two. The total forty nine and a half. And James, how do you see this one? And uh, can the Seattle continue their their lead at the NFC West? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think Seattle should be able to win this. Surprising, we get a couple of points as well for Seattle. Um, I still think Seattle are in um in a position to win that division. Uh, could have got seven dollars. Two weeks ago, sorry, one week ago, about them winning that, that's into about three fifty or four, and they're four bucks to even get a wild card as well. So I think there's they're still being underappreciated, believe it or not. Um, and this is a much weaker conference. I don't think I can't see anybody who's going to usurp a playoff spot for them. Um, so yeah, and and I'm certainly not enamoured with Arizona. So yeah, we get the points with Seattle. I think they'll win outright. Yeah, that's a pro Seattle play for me. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. I, look, I'd probably leaning that way again as well with the, with the start, especially what we saw Seattle do only a couple of weeks ago against Arizona. We know how Arizona struggle at home as well. They they've got a terrible record um, in their home venue. I know they had a win there um, just the other week against the Saints, but there's no way I could bet Arizona with any confidence, especially against that uh, that Seattle team, which is up and about. They're firing all cylinders on offense mm. and defense, and and that young. Young team is is doing some special things and yeah, huge overs if you got the seven dollars, especially for them to win the excuse me, to win the division earlier this a uh, couple of weeks ago, as you said, James. So I hope you jumped on that, mate. I hey. would have loved the twenty one or the twenty six in the preseason about them winning the division, but yeah, happy to take the seven. But yeah, I think they were, they did trade around twenty six wow. in the preseason. So yeah. Huge, absolutely huge. 
and that's why you are the guru, mate. So, yeah, we'll uh, take your futures bets every day of the week. And uh, the final game of the early, of the of Monday morning, I should say, and that's the uh, the huge game here, the uh, rematch of one of last year's NFC divisional matchups. They certainly don't look like a playoff team this year, either of those teams. But the LA Rams, it's a massive contest up against the Tampa, Tampa Bay Bucks at Raymond James. Stadium in Tampa. The Bucks going as minus three point favorites, and the total is forty two and a half. Yeah, this would be Tampa for me, all because of the the doubts and the surrounding cup and his ankle. It's simple as that for me because he's the entirety of the Rams' offense. So with him out, I think Tampa can exploit that. And this is last chance saloon for Tampa. They've got to win this to stay in playoff contention and division contention as well. So yeah, yeah. Tampa for me. Yeah, I, I lean Tampa as well here in this one. Again, um, it's not something I'm overly confident about the way either of these teams are playing right now, but I certainly got a bit more faith in the Bucks that they'll get it together. They, they've been uh, a little bit more, I suppose, reliable on offense. I know the defense of the Rams is, can be amazing on their day. They just haven't shown enough, and Aaron Donald hasn't had enough support this year. Um no. Meanwhile, the Bucks kind of have been exploded in that area there, and again, they got gashed by over, you know, almost two hundred. I think it was two hundred thirty odd yards last week by the Ravens. So that run defense is is really not stepping up. It won't matter this week though, because neither of these teams run the football very well. They're both ranked thirty um, second and thirty first in running the football. So we should see a pass heavy uh, game between two veteran quarterbacks and. Who can make the most plays, I suppose, and 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 I think Tampa Bay have more weapons in LA at the moment on, on their on the receiver front. So I kind of have yeah. to lean the Bucks as well, especially at home in this one, like you said, and and certainly will keep their season alive as they do play in that very weak NFC South. It's almost uh, I wouldn't say season over yet for the Rams, but it's slipping, slipping, and it's a long way back if they fall to three and five uh, against in that division, especially. Uh, if we think the Seattle Seahawks are going to win again this week. And, of course, the Niners are on their bye, but uh, they obviously lost both games to the Niners already. So long way back for the Rams uh, in the division this year. Sunday night football is an interesting one. Two first-place teams go head-to-head. It doesn't kick off until Monday afternoon our time here in, in the eastern seaboard of Australia now. 12.20 with the games all moving back an hour. The Tennessee Titans go into Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs minus 12.5 point favourites. And the Titans have actually owned this rivalry in recent years. They've won, uh, I think it's four of the last five or five of the last six against, it's actually five of the last six against the the Chiefs, surprisingly. And, you know, a couple of them have been in Arrowhead as well. So uh, a different ball game this week, especially if Ryan, Ryan Tannehill is, is unable to go for a second straight week. Malik Wills looked a bit out of his depth last week, but... That defense kind of got him home. And, of course, King Henry, who rushed for 219 yards as well. So it's going to be a, a heavy dose of, of the run game with Derrick Henry and, and Dante Hillard as well for, for the Titans if, if their quarterback isn't able to suit up. And, and even then, if he does, you know, it, it's almost turned into a very run-heavy offense with um, the weapons like A.J. Brown and stuff departing Tennessee. Kansas City had a bye last week, but we know how dominant they were the week prior. Again, Patrick Mahomes dug himself a bit of a hole uh, against San Francisco, but quickly came out of it, and, and they ended up smashing the Niners 44-23. to So very dominant performance from the Chiefs. They certainly look to be firing on all cylinders, and, and I don't think they'll be slowed down this week by the by the Titans, and I think they'll uh, win and win well. Okay, see, I thought Tennessee can cover this, 
Um, and I kind of thought the line would be around eight, nine max. So we're getting 12 and a half. I just think Tennessee, the nature of the way they play, just could make it slow. As you said, Derrick Henry just running at the guts of that KC defense, which again is bottom quarter of the NFL once again. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering as well whether, you know, usually the buy is a wonderful thing for, for NFL teams. With KC, I wonder if it did stop there. Um, you know, the, the dirtiest word in sports is momentum, especially mm. in sports athletics. But they were getting they were getting a little bit of rhythm into that team, as we saw with the San Francisco, which you, which you pointed out. Yeah, so I, I wonder if that does throw a spanner in the works a little bit. And Tennessee rarely get blown to pieces, Ryan. They rarely, rarely, rarely get blown to pieces. So I think they can hang there, and I think they can get a cover. It's one of my plays of the week, actually. Huge. Uh, I mean, obviously, Buffalo had their way with them earlier this season. They did. Early in the uh, year. Yeah, and they've certainly become a, a, a lot tighter on defense, haven't they? And they've become a a lot more yeah. solid football team since then. So I completely agree it's with back, that. It's back to being a top 10 defensive unit again. Yeah. Tennessee. Uh, yeah. And like you said, the buy could have potentially halted some of that momentum for the Chiefs. So yeah, certainly uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a massive get on for me that the Chiefs, I think they would, they would have gone close to covering, but now, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really valid point you've made and, and Tennessee for the punters out there that like something that, um, James is really keen on that cover for Tennessee, especially uh, while you're getting double digits, which, and it's only really, to be honest, it's likely to only drift, isn't it? I don't think it's going to really be coming uh, coming in too much, is it? Yeah, I've already I've personally teased it out to 14 and a half. So just to sort of give them that two, two touchdown gap. So, yep. yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And the final game, um, which we've touched on a couple of times, throughout this episode so far. It's a huge game, and, and for the context of the uh, both conferences, really, it's uh, the Baltimore Ravens heading to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. The Ravens go in as minus two-and-a-half-point favourites. Total is 48, and the Ravens are almost coming off a mini by themselves, playing last on Thursday Night Football. They've got a huge break heading into this one against the Saints. And, you know, Lamar Jackson and that that Ravens team has always played well on the road. They've been dominant against NFC opponents on the road. They've covered eight of their last nine road games against NFC opponents. But as we've touched on throughout the episode, that Saints team might have just turned a corner and they've, you know, they've kind of got back to three and five and kept their season alive. And especially after that shutout victory against the Raiders, that defense will be clicking and, um, Alvin Kamara led the team with with three touchdowns. He's only three touchdowns of the season as well, surprisingly. And, and he, he kind of led from example there um, this week against uh, the teams, well, their coaches, former teams. So that was uh, an important win for the Saints. But yeah, look, the Ravens, like you said, they've added a superstar in Roquan Smith and they did the job, especially in the second half against the Bucs. They were pretty irresistible. They, uh, they scored in the first three possessions after half time in terms of touchdowns that is so they really dominated that game from the second half and I think they'll carry that momentum into the into the Saints here and just not quite ready to jump on the Saints bandwagon as yet and I think the Ravens still have a classier classier team yeah it's definitely I think it's probably our best Monday night matchup of the season this one um and I can't split them either I think the the line's right on um, but like like I said before, if you do like Baltimore in this game, think about as well having them for the conference as well at nine dollars. 
I, I just think that's one of the best futures plays at the moment. So if the Bills are about $2 to win the AFC, I don't see how the Ravens are f- nearly five times mm. worse from a value perspective. Remember, Baltimore led Buffalo 20 to 3. And this is when Baltimore, this is what week four or something like that, where Baltimore were nowhere near what they're going to be as a finished product player personnel wise. They're getting back serious cogs by the week. Their draft class is is just developing, you know, on the fly. Uh, uh, David Abajo's coming back this week. He was, a, you know, early second round pick. Kyle Hamilton's just starting to warm up and, and start to be productive now. Um, the big Linda Barmer on the offensive line, he's, he's going to be on the all-rookie team. They're, they're really brewing the Ravens. They're coming along. They're only, yeah. It's it's again. I think it's that that put off of the number one seed, but they could get the number two seed to be honest, and, and make KC come into them um, later later in the season, you know, in the postseason. So yeah, I'm just I'm cockahoot about the Ravens, as you can probably tell, Ryan. Um, and I think I think yeah, I think they can really do some damage, and I love that nine dollars. Yeah, look, oh mate, it's hard to argue with you when you when you talk so much sense and you and you you spell it out for for us as well. So it's um. Yeah, great to hear your thoughts on that. And I, I likewise, I, I think the Ravens are, are really brewing with something special here, and I think they'll they'll win this week against the Saints. So yeah, like you said, if if you're keen on taking the Ravens for the AFC, as as uh, James mentioned, maybe get on before this week, especially if you do think they'll um they'll get the job done in New Orleans, like I do. But yeah, probably not tempted to take that line at this stage. Just um, as you said, it's probably spot on from the books, mate. That brings us to the end of week nine, mate. Did you have any final thoughts? Sorry, you were just I did. I just want to throw one one stat that I love with Baltimore mm. in terms of a team building stat. Over the last five drafts, they've bought in 25 first second, first, second, and third round picks in five drafts. Now you should be able to, in that sort of space of time, you should be 15, you know. Yep. F- one, two, three times five, but they've won in 25, all based on, you know, comp picks and trades around the edges. And if any team drafts and develops properly, it's Baltimore. They know what they want. They know, they understand who they are as a franchise. I just I just love seeing a really smart team like that do, do their business. Um, the only thing left to do is actually give Lamar an extension. That's the only sort of weird aspect. But, and hey, if they gave him um, an extension, He'd probably be even more dangerous and a little bit more reckless with his running as well. So maybe that will come later in here. Maybe it's strategic. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. I think, yeah, there's certainly times where he's, um, you know, not put his body on the line as much as he probably yeah. has in the past for sure. And, and, you know, there's probably some some point of, you know, trying to protect himself just to, to keep making sure that he, he stays on the park and he, he's there for another season. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see how that plays out as a as a side note to Baltimore season. But, mate, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, we do have to pick a lock of the week. I know it's not ideal when uh, the great man isn't around, but is there anything you're particularly keen on? I know, obviously, Tennessee for you, mate, was a, was a really big one, but uh, any other yeah, like, I pre- final plays? Yeah, I probably prefer like? one one that we're sort of both, you know, in it together on. I think it's nice for the pod like that. Maybe Cincinnati yeah, to, to cover probably- against Carolina. Yeah, I think that's probably where I was going to go next. And um, I know we both kind of like Cincy at the minus seven there. So let's lock that in for our lock of the week, yeah. Cincinnati 
minus seven, uh, which will hopefully get us to, to six and three. We're sitting at five and three at the moment, which is uh, very nice indeed. Uh, a couple of good weeks in a row, mate. But again, thank you so much to James Rosewan for jumping on. Absolute pleasure chatting NFL with you, mate, and hearing your thoughts. And, and let's hope that a couple of those futures can get up for you, mate. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to, great to be here. Legend. Take care. Well, uh, well, we'll see you again next week. Hopefully the great men will be back safe and sound from Philly and hopefully they've listed, lifted a World Series by then when we hear again from Nick. But uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next week on The Punt Return. Mm-hmm.